over the last couple of months, you'd know that uh, we have talked about our mission statement and our purpose statement. You know that if you come to Trinity, we're all about building friendships and finding God. And we do that through the five E's. And we discussed those uh, through a series, oh, about a month ago or so. And we just finished that up not too long ago, just a couple of weeks ago. The five E's are what we are doing. These are what we're doing, but reach is how we're going to do it. Does that make sense? So uh, the E's are, are what we do, but reach is how we do it. And we, the reach stands for, an, it's an acronym. And last week we talked about the R from the reach. And R is relevant. We said that everything that we do needs to be relevant. And so today we're going to take that another step forward and tell you that the E stands for excellent. And we are, we are striving for excellence in everything we do. Now, some of y'all think, well, you know, if that's all y'all are concerned about is being excellent, I mean, what, you, you're trying to do something that nobody can achieve. Well, you're going to find out in this word today that excellent doesn't mean perfect because nobody can be perfect. The only perfect people that ever lived on the planet are no longer here, uh, and that was Jesus. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit in his place but uh, everybody else is just imperfect. Even the, even the only two that ever got out of here without having to die natural deaths, like Enoch, even they had imperfections in their life. They just got so close to God that he took them. But in this series, we're finding out that we can still be relevant and we can be excellent. Next week, we're going to find out that we can be authentic that we have to be authentic. And we're going to take that uh, next week to that step. And I'm not going to tell you what C and H are because you just got to keep coming back. You got to keep coming back so you can find out what they all stand for and what all of it means. But uh, Edwin Bliss once said, the pursuit of excellence is gratifying and healthy. Did you get that? The pursuit of excellence is healthy and gratifying. But the pursuit of perfection is frustrating and neurotic and a terrible waste of time. Isn't that true? Any of you who have ever tried to be perfect, raise your hand. It was such a drag, wasn't it? Because you can't do it. You can, when you set your heart to achieve something that is impossible, that cannot be done, then you're setting yourself up for failure. You just can't do it. I've seen people spiritually try to set them up, set themselves up for failure many, many times. A lot of times they do it in the way of a fast. You know, we'll declare a fast of some kind. We'll say, we're going to fast. And any of you that want to fast, fast with us. And, and some people say, I'll fast for 30 days. And that might be a person that's never fasted before in their life. And after day two, they're breaking that fast. Because you get hungry at the end of, two, of the second day. You get past all the way past day three, you don't care as much. But day two is rough. So we don't encourage people to do that. I don't encourage people to go out on a 30-day fast, first time they fast. I say, try a meal. You know, that'll get your attention if you're used to eating three times a day. Cut one of them and you'll know you're fasting. You know, break into this thing. Don't set yourself up for failure. And so we're talking about the difference between perfection and excellence. You can be excellent in a, in a fast that only lasted one meal. If that's what you set out to do and that was your best and you did it, that's excellent. 
What we're seeking here is not perfection, but excellence. So we started this series last week talking about how we want to be difference makers and how we're going to do that. And we talked about relevance and, and the absolute necessity of being relevant. You saw the video there uh, where our youth and our youth pastor are telling us about how that some of our facilities are, are, are actually, uh, they're not very relevant because of the way that they're, they're working right now. But that we know that we have to upgrade those things. And today we're going to talk about the second way that we're going to reach out with excellence. Booker T. Washington made this statement. He said, excellence is to do a common thing in an uncommon way. Let that get in your heart. And how about Brian Harbour? He wrote a book called Rising Above the Crowd. And I love this, and I, I want you to hear this, so I've got to read it to you. I want to quote it to you just as it's written because I want you to get this. He said, success means being the best. Excellence means being your best. Hear the difference? Success to many means being better than everyone else. Excellence means being better today than you were yesterday. Success means exceeding the achievements of other people. But excellence means matching your practice with your potential. I can come more near to achieving excellence than I can perfection. I can't achieve perfection. I want you to look at this passage of scripture with me. It's found in first Peter chapter two and the the actual text is verses nine through 17, but all we're going to read is verse nine. And then we're going to point you to the other verses as we walk through this. But I love this passage of scripture. It says, however, you, I got to let that sink in. So, you know, we're not talking about somebody else. This is talking about you insert your name right here. However, you are Chosen people. You are a part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Notice the phrase, the excellent qualities of God. It doesn't say the average qualities of God. It doesn't say the subpar, okay, good enough qualities of God. It doesn't say the get, just get by, the just skirt by the qualities of God. It says the excellent qualities of God. The word there... The Greek word for excellent there means valor or excellence. It means praise and virtue. If you have a King James Bible, some of you do, then the word there is translated as the praises. Do you see that? You see the praises in your Bible? You say, Pastor, where did you get excellent qualities from the praises? It's all in the translation. The King James says that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you. The praises or the excellent qualities are what are being explained to us. The Greek word, therefore, the praises means valor or excellence. So he's saying that that God has chosen us and God has made us his royal priests. That takes our relationship with God to a whole new level. You can't be representing an excellent God with excellent qualities with subpar performance. 
a person who says, I'm going to believe upon the Lord and ask him to forgive me for my sins and then I'm going to live like the devil. It won't work because he's an excellent God. If he were just to get by God, he'd be like, okay, that's fine. That's good enough. Good enough. It's not good enough. You can't be good enough. You can't just pray a prayer, commit your heart to Christ, and go back about your life, living life the way you want to live it, with your own agenda, doing the things you want to do. You can't do that anymore. Why? Because you're not excellent. In yourself, you don't have the ability to have excellence. You do not have excellent qualities. Hit your finger with a hammer and see what you think, whether you say it or not. That will determine how excellent you are. I got to tell you, I've hit myself. I, I, I tell you the other day, just yesterday, yesterday, Deb and I were delivering some stuff down to Life Source. And I left the, I didn't have the trailer on the back of the vehicle, but I left the ball hitch on there and the, the deal was up. And it was a bag of clothes behind me, and I grabbed a box and went to step, and I couldn't get around it. So I had to step close, and I hit my ankle on that ball hitch. Man, that hurts. Kind of swelled up. You know what I thought? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No, I didn't. What I thought and I, what I said in self-control was, oh, oh. But if you could translate that from the Greek... It would not be valor or excellence, praise and virtue. That's what I'm capable of on my own. So I can never be perfect. I have just had to resolve myself to the fact that I will never achieve perfection. Some of y'all saying, no, no, I know you, pastor. You're perfect. You're the ones that have been here like today. Everybody that's been here more than 10 minutes knows better. But God has chosen us in this imperfect state. God chose us. He chose you and he made you a royal priest, a holy nation. He called you his own people. Wow. And he called you and chose you to tell others about his excellent qualities. Everything that he has done for us is excellent. He demands excellence, not perfection. But he demands our very best because that's what he's given us, his very best. And so now we strive. To be excellent in how we live and how we serve. Look at verses 10 through 17. I'm not going to stay here very long. I'm just going to give them to you long enough for them to be on the screen. You can write them down. But I'm going to break this down. This is how you achieve this excellence. And you got to understand this. Because if you, if, you, if you perceive these six things through the eyes of perfection, you're going to leave here very discouraged. But if you'll look at them through the eyes of excellence, you're going to leave encouraged. Let me show you why. He says in verse 11... That people who want to achieve this excellence must deny their corrupt desires. Perfection would say you must deny your perfect or your imperfect and corrupt desires. Excellence, which says do your best, says do your very best to deny corrupt desires. I can do that one. 
I don't want to see hands of people that grew up in legalistic churches where that they were taught that if they were going to go to heaven, they had to achieve perfection. Have you ever been to that church? When you left, you felt worse every time when you left than when you went. I'm not giving us a license to sin and telling you that you shouldn't be striving. I'm telling you to be excellent. Excellent is not subpar. Excellent is way above the bar, but it's not perfect. Excellent is the person that says, I hate it when I have those bad thoughts and I'm praying so I won't have them anymore. But every once in a while, I still do. And that doesn't mean I'm going to hell. That means I'm going to repent again. Come on now, am I right? Excellent gives us hope. Excellence gives us peace. Perfection rules us out. People that are going to churches where you have to be perfect, that's why they're so glum. That's why they don't have a lot of peace and joy. The only time they feel worthy of going to heaven is in the midst of one of those super spiritually charged services where they said, if God came right now, I'd make it. That's the only way if he'd come right now. And they're praying that God will come at a time when they're in the altar praying and crying and seeking him so they'll go because anything less than that they've been taught is not going to be enough. What a terrible way to live. God is saying, I'm not asking you to be perfect. You can't be perfect or else you'd qualify to be the sinless lamb. I've only got one son that can do that. You're not perfect. I created you. I even know what you think. I know what you think before you think it. I know how you are. I know how you're hardwired. I made you. You can't be perfect, but you could be excellent. You could do your best to, do your, to go beyond, do better today than you did yesterday. So he says, if you want to achieve this excellence, you have to attempt. You're trying your very best to deny your corrupt desire. You're trying your very best, number two, verse 12, to live decent among all unbelievers. Why is that so important? Unbelievers aren't looking for you to be perfect. They're just looking for you to be different. They know you're not perfect too. But if you act just like them, then there's no, there's no need for change in their life. But when you're that person that says, oh, man, I'm sorry about what I just said, or I'm sorry about what I just did, or I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, or I'm sorry, you know, if I offended you by something that I ate or drank or did or whatever, then I'm sorry because I am attempting with all that is in me to be my best to live decently among all unbelievers because I know they need a witness. They need a witness. Number three, verse 13, 14. In order to achieve this, this excellence, I'm doing my very best to obey the laws of my land and my rulers. I don't like some of them, do you? You like all the folks in, in government positions? But I'll tell you something, the scripture teaches us that God has ordained those positions. And the people that are in them got there for some reason, whether you voted them there or not. And they still deserve your prayers. They deserve your prayers if they're doing wrong so that they'll change. And if they won't do right and aren't going to change, then they deserve your prayers to get them voted out. Somebody say amen. I will obey the laws of the land. You know why? Because they're based on the scripture. The laws of the land are based on the word of God. Atheists can cry about it all day long, but the bottom line is these Ten Commandments are the basis of the rules and regulations. So I'm going to obey the laws and the rulers. Number four, I'm going to do my best to be a good example to everybody. Verse 15. I'm going to do my best to be a good example. Number five, verse 16. I'm going to do my best to use my freedom. Are you thankful for your freedom? If you're thankful for your freedom, say amen. What are you using your freedom for? 
I hope you're not just using it to serve yourself. The scripture says we should use our freedom to serve God. I'm going to do my best to serve God by using my freedom. There are people that, I, that are my brothers and my sisters in other countries right now that are sitting in prisons. They don't have freedom, but yet they're still serving my God. Here I am with my freedom. I'm, I'm definitely going to do everything I can. Number six, verse 17. I'm going to do my best. Boy, this is, this is big if you want to. How many of you all really want to reach this generation? If you, if you want to reach lost people, let me tell you a really good way to do that before you preach them a message. Before you get up and preach them a message standing on a bench somewhere in public. Before you do that, respect everyone. Verse 17, respect everyone. I'm going to, if I want to be excellent, if I want to try to achieve excellence, I got to do my best to respect everyone. That means I respect God, I respect authorities in my life, and I respect all people, no matter their station in life. Because all people, whether they are lost or found, desire to be treated with respect. And I'm going to tell you something, you will have no witness and you'll have no testimony with people that you disrespect. Excellence means that you love all people enough to respect them. And so you give them their very best. I believe that Christians should be attempting to be the very best worker at their job. You're not going to be perfect at work. But I don't think you should be stealing time from the boss either. Punching time cards and hiding Stealing products. I deserve this because I've been here so long. I believe that we should be examples. I think that, that Christians ought to be attempting to be the best employee at their job. Christians should be attempting to be the best student at their school. I'm proud of these students today. For representing the Lord the way he deserved to be represented. By working hard. To make those grades, I believe it's important. You say, I don't care about the grades, I just want the diploma. I'm telling you something. You apply yourself. Whatever you do in life, you give it your all. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. And it's worth being an example to the people around you. You're a believer. You're not going to be perfect, but if you want to be excellent, then you got to be held to a higher standard. Work. I think that you ought to attempt to be the best neighbor in your neighborhood. I think that, that you should be striving to be the best servant that you can be in your church. You say, Pastor, I don't do anything at the church. What's wrong with you? I ain't playing. What's wrong with you? How are you going to be excellent and use your freedom to serve God if you don't even know what to do and you're doing nothing? Do you think God called you and gave you breath just to come and sit every once in a while? God has specifically placed you in the body of Christ, specifically this one, because he said, I need you there doing what only you can do. And you should be the very best at whatever that is, attempting to be. Pastor, I can't be the best. There's other people here that play, play music better than I do. There's other people here that sing better than I do. I'm saying do your very best. And if you can't sing, sing out there. Sing loud. Don't worry about people looking at you. But don't get mad if we don't hand you a mic. Because, because we're going to offer everything we offer to God with excellence. But we're going to need your help. 
I'll tell you, some of you guys have been with me on mission trips. You know I love to go on building mission trips. I, I, I enjoy part of it. I like the people. But the truth is I'm not a builder. You guys that are builders know I'm not a builder. And so you, you understand that. And you say, we love you, Pastor. We respect you. Carry some blocks. You can do that. Okay. So I carry blocks. I hand up ten. I go get things. I'm good. I mean, I, I'm good at all that. I, I, I'd, but if it's up to me, I'm going to be playing with the kids, visiting with the people. I'm ready to go to church. I like the culture. You know, if you've ever worked with me in building, you know, I, I, I had one guy, uh, Bill Carver, used to be a part of our church. I love Bill. He's, uh, he's gone on to heaven now. But when we put the roof on that building over here, the second building, it was the first project we ever did when I got here. Danny, you remember, uh, it was tw- almost 21 years ago. We put the roof on that building. Bill came up to work, and he said, I- I'll do it. And I got up there with him. And I said, I'll help you. He said, Pastor, do you really want to help me? And I said, yes. And this, this happened after I, I didn't tell you the whole story. Part of the story was we were up there working, and a car came flying through the parking lot, and I was worried it was going to hit a kid, and I'm up there wanting to throw hammers, and I'm, you know, I'm just go, being myself. So Bill says, Pastor, do you really want to help me? And I said, yes, Bill, that's why I'm here. He said, please go back in your office and study. <laughs> you want to help me go study? Do what you could do, he said. Let me do this. I said, okay. I could strive for excellence when it comes to building, and I can do a few things, you know. I, Deb's a little suspect of that. But I could do a few things, but I'm not excellent at it. And so when we build... I don't try to take charge on a building trip and say, okay, boys, gather around. Here's what we're going to do. The first thing I do is look for the guy that knows the most, and I get right behind him. I say, what you want me to do? There are things that I can do with excellence that maybe you can't, and vice versa. We accept that, and we understand that about one another. But we all need to do what we can do and make up this family. We're doing our best. We're not trying to be better than other people. We're not trying to be better than other churches. I, I, I'm not sitting in my office trying to figure out how we can be bigger and better than other churches. We're not competing with other churches. We, we don't like the devil. We love other churches. The devil's who we're fighting against. We, I'm in my office praying for every pastor in there this morning. God bless the churches in this area and all around the world. Every church that's preaching your name. Every church that believes upon the blood of Jesus. God bless those pastors and add to your kingdom. Put your people where you want them. If you send them here, great. If you want to send them somewhere else, that's great. Just save them. We're not trying to be better than other churches. So what I would, what I would say to you is gauge yourself against your own ability, not somebody else's. I'm striving to be the best I can for the Lord because I want him to be able to trust me with his excellent children. You're excellent children. And there's a whole bunch more of excellent children out there that God is looking for a place to send them. He knows whether they'll fit us or not. And I'm praying that God will help me to be my best so that he can send his excellent children, whether they are saved or unsaved. He can trust us to send them to us. That's why I want to be excellent. That's why our staff, our ministries, our facilities, they've got to be the best. They've got to be the best that we can make them for God, not for, not for competition, competition's sake. There's a fellow named John Gardner. He wrote a book called Excellence. He said, some people have greatness thrust upon them. Very few have excellence thrust upon them. They achieve it. They do not achieve it unwittingly by doing what comes naturally, and they don't stumble into it 
in the course of amusing themselves. Listen to this. All excellence involves discipline and the tenacity of purpose. Mm, Did you hear that? If you want to be excellent, it requires discipline and tenacity of purpose. With that in my mind, I, I, I examine myself every day in light of how good am I doing as a husband. I say, God, I want to be an excellent husband. I want to be an excellent dad. I want to be an excellent grandpa. I want to be an excellent grandson. I want to be an excellent son. I want to be an excellent pastor. I want to be an excellent friend. I want to be excellent. You know why? Because I want you to be excellent. I'm going to expect the people that I work with to be their best. The people in this church, in our offices, the people on our staff, these people are the best at what they do because we can't allow less. We can't go where we're going with less. I demand them to be their very best. I demand excellence in in all of our ministries. Everything this church does, we look at it, we scrutinize it. If it's not excellent, we don't do it anymore. If we can't do it right, we're not going to do it. We want to be able to know that we're offering the very best we can. So if I'm going to expect the best from you, it's only fair that you could expect the best from me. So every time I get in this pulpit, I'm going to tell you all something. I've been, I've been preaching a long time. I preached my first message when I was 19 years old. That was a long, long time ago. And I'm still just as nervous almost every Sunday morning as I was that first time. In my office in there saying, God, begging him, God, if you don't help me, if you don't help me, these poor folks are going to have to suffer through a mess. God, you've got to help me because I don't know what I'm doing. I may have been doing it a long time, but I still don't know how. You've got to help me. Every day, I'm praying that because I want to be excellent. When I stand before you, whether I'm teaching, if, if I teach five people or if I'm preaching in front of a thousand people, it doesn't make any difference to me. Every time I get up behind a pulpit in any setting and I'm going to preach the word, I want to be excellent. I want to do my very best. I'm not trying to be better than somebody else. I'm not trying to compare myself. I don't watch other people and try to emulate them. I'm trying to be the best that... I can be with what I have to work with. I say, God, you know, you, you made what I am. You put in me what's in there. Just take whatever's there and do the best you can do with it. I'm not trying to compete with someone else. All of us are trying to be excellent in order to reach our generation. You know, it's amazing to me the way that technology is advancing. Uh, I don't talk about my grandbabies all that much, but I should talk about them a lot more. And I apologize that I don't use the pulpit to do that. I don't show their pictures all the time like I should. I'm sorry. But my little Sophie, three years old, amazes me because she could sit down with an iPad and happily amuse herself for hours. Three years old. A lot of us, my age and older, can't figure out how to answer our cell phone. We know one person, I'm not going to tell you who it is. We know one person that every time we call them, we have to call them like three and four times because every time we call them, they hang themselves up before they can get. Three, four times. Finally, about the third or fourth time, I'll say to Deb, just call them. Just, just, or I'll say, just wait and let them call you this time. Technology is an amazing thing. You know, I'm thankful for our facilities and and we're blessed. 
But we don't look like this in this room all over our campus. We, we constantly are in the midst of upgrading somewhere in order to stay relevant, in order to stay excellent. You have to do that. There's some people that don't think that's necessary, but, but I've thought about that. And if, if you just let facilities go and you don't maintain and you don't try to keep up with the things that are going on, in effect, what you are saying to the lost generation is this. We don't respect you enough to make things acceptable for you to come. In fact, what we're saying is, If you want to know Jesus, if you want to go to heaven, you're going to have to come here and do things our way. But I'm not sure that that's God's way. As I I see God all throughout scripture, he's creating all of this lush and beautiful world that we enjoy. And yet he says it means so little to him at the end, he's going to burn it up. I mean, the only reason he made it all like it is for us, for us to enjoy. So in his mind, he really doesn't care about things. He cares about people. God doesn't care about things. He lets people have things. He lets them enjoy things. But he's going to burn it up anyway when we're gone because the things he's preparing for us now are so much better than the things we got now. So he's going to burn all this up. So he don't really care what we have to do in order to reach our generation. He gave us this beautiful building, allowed us, it's almost paid for. Wow, that's amazing. He, he allowed this. He allowed all the things that you see. You've, got, you've gotten to be a part of all that. He did all that. But you know what? He doesn't care about, he doesn't really care about that seat you're sitting in. He doesn't care about it near as much as you do. It's pretty comfortable though, isn't it? I've sat in those seats. I like them. They're a lot better than the metal chairs we sat on in the gym for a couple of years. Some of y'all remember that. Those folding metal chairs. They had pads on them, but they were real thin. Just ask my fanny. Pads were real thin. God doesn't really care about those things. And so there are people that say, you know what? We don't, why are we constantly going to talk, why are we constantly going to talk about spending money? Why are we always got to spend money? Why are we always, why don't we just not, why don't we just have church? I'm going to tell you something. People that develop that attitude. Now don't get mad at me if you're one of those people because I really don't know who you are. I don't know who you are, but don't get mad. But here's the thought. If that's the way you feel about it, then you're probably going to end up at some point belonging to that church that's dying or already dead. There's a lot of them out there, guys. They have attitudes like this. They say things like, well, if people really want to get saved, they just need to quit worrying about all that technology and lights and all smoke and music and all. They just need to get in here and get saved or they're going to go to hell. They are going to go to hell. Don't sound like you're happy about it. They're on their way there fast. And if somebody doesn't do something to reach them where they are and how they think, then that's where they're going to end up. Because if they come to a place where they don't fit, their whole world revolves around a phone and Wi-Fi. They're outfitting their children with personal computers to carry around with them all day long. If they go to a church where that we say, listen, if you want to be a Christian, you have to become obsolete to your culture. They say, we don't understand that. We don't understand that That doesn't work for us. So then we're saying to them, we don't respect you enough to observe what's important to you in order to try to minister to you. I think we're giving account for that someday. For saying that it's good enough. These walls were painted five years ago. 25 years from now, that's good enough. And God's going to say, really? Is it? 
Because the paint don't mean anything to God. What matters to God is the attitude of the person that says, you know what, God, I want you to have the best, so I'm going to get out a paintbrush and I'm going to paint a wall. I'm going to pull out my wallet and I'm going to give some money so a wall can get painted because I want to be excellent. I want to have an excellent spirit and I want people to be able to come to know Jesus. There'll always be a campaign, whether it's this or another one, there's always going to be something. You know, building C that we're talking about building or working in right now was built in 2001. You say, well, that wasn't long ago. It is if you're 14. How many 14, how many 13 year olds are here? 13? She is in the youth group. The building was built before she was born. How many of y'all have changed out cars in the last 13 years? Anybody bought a different car in 13 years? Has anybody here painted any walls in your house? Have you ever, have you changed out any of the flooring in your house? Has you, anybody still got the burnt orange shag carpet? Some of y'all are getting mad at me right now. That's not, that's not the same thing. No, it's not. God's house should be better than yours. Get mad at that. But we approach that with that same mentality of, hey, you know, they got those youth up there, those kids up there, they got a room, they got a roof over their head, they got a sound system. They do have a sound system. If you come on Wednesday, you be talk, here, talk to Brian about it. You come up here on Wednesday night about six thirty, seven o'clock. Just get anywhere within a 10-mile radius and you'll know they got a sound system. But it's not a real good one. I mean, how many of you, how many of you all ever had when you were, you know, especially those in my generation, you know, way, way we, stereos weren't that big of a deal, but I had that Camaro and I, and I wanted a cool stereo, so I put a stereo in it and then I got some speakers and I, and, and I didn't, you know, it wasn't professionally done because they really, back then in 1981, it wasn't a real big deal. Stereos weren't a real big deal in cars. It was just a radio. You turned on an AM, FM radio, you know. So I wanted something better. So I got the speakers and I had, you know, my, I had these big old speakers in the back of my Camaro sitting up on the, on the back dash. And I'd go around corners and the speakers would slide around. Anybody have that? Because I was not a professional installer. Is that right? But I like music. Some people that tried to build their own stereos, they have all kind of volume. But you couldn't tell what was going on. I mean, listen to this bass. Yeah, your speaker's cracked up. Listen to this treble. Yeah, your horn is blown. The horn is blown. That's why it's, that's doing, that's why it's doing that. See, you can have all kinds of volume and it be a mess. You have all kinds of volume and it's not excellent. So this is what we're talking about. We want to we do things that are going to be excellent. We want to be stretched. We want to be bettered. And I'll tell you something, guys. We're saying we're going to do this for one year. I've been telling people in these pie meetings that that's, that's the commitment we made. We are going to do this for one year. But at the end of that year, I'm going to round up all the generous people and, and say, how many of y'all want to go again? And some of you are going to say, no, that one year was enough for me. Other ones are going to be like, yeah, I want to go. And you know why they're, why they're going to want to go? Because they're just like me. I learned the last time we did this that when it was over, I had more money than when I started. And I like that. I liked it. My health was better. My family was blessed. I liked all that. Now, I didn't do it for that reason, but I couldn't help the fact that God blessed me. He said he wouldn't, he did. I didn't do it for that reason. I'm not given to get. 
But I'll tell you something. When somebody comes along now and they say, hey, we, got a, a, we have a godly project. We have something that we believe the Lord is behind. Would you like to get behind it? I'm like, let me think about that for a minute. Do I want to get better? Do I want to have more? Do I want to be blessed? Yeah, I think I'll get involved in that with you. I think it's a good idea. So I'm excited about this. So I'm saying, you know, come next year, we finish up this project. We celebrate this money that we raise and remodeling the building and building the, the, the drive through and all those kinds of things. Guess what? I'm going to stand up and say, hey, how many of y'all want to join me? I want to go build an orphanage somewhere. And somebody's going to say, yeah, let me give some money for that. I think, that'd be, I think it'd be awesome. Or I'm going to say, hey, let's go plant some churches. How many of y'all want to help me go plant some churches? Some of you say, yeah, let's do that because this money's not mine anyway. And the more of it I give away, the more God gives me. Yeah, let's go do something. Let's start some new ministries. Let's plant some churches. So some of you are like, man, you know, I was gearing my head up and getting my mind right for one year. And what can I sacrificially do? I don't want you to sacrifice. I don't want you to give till it hurts. I want you to have fun. I'm not trying to manipulate you right now either, because I'll tell you, just like I told them in the meeting the other night, if you decide not to get involved with us in this, it's okay. I'll still love you. It's okay. But there are some of you that that, that that thing happens in your spirit when you see these opportunities that something leaps in your spirit and you're like, man, I get fired up about that stuff. All right, so this year we're going to remodel a building. All right. The question isn't, God, how much do you want me to give? The question is, God, how much do you want to channel through me? The question is not whether or not I can believe God for that amount. The question is whether or not God can believe me to give it. He'll provide it if I'll do it. He'll provide it. Do I really want to do it? And if I do, then when it's done, I'm going to be that one with that story. See, at the, last, at the end of the last campaign, there were some people that weren't happy. They were like, man, that didn't work for me. They were very few and far between. The majority, overwhelming majority of people came to me and said, wow, God told us to give a certain amount of money. We gave that amount of money. We didn't know how we were going to do it. The Lord provided all different kinds of ways throughout. Things that happened we didn't know were coming. And we did it, and at the end of it, we realized that we were better off than we were when we started. Over and over and over, that's what I hear. So when I say, whether can God believe you or not, what I'm saying is, a lot of people make a commitment to something like this, but then the first time extra money comes into their house that God has given them to pay that pledge, they say, oh, I need that for some bills. And they keep doing that, and at the end of the period, they haven't met the pledge. They can look back and say, yeah, throughout this, God gave me an income tax that I didn't think was coming. I got a raise that I didn't know I was going to get. And I, the guy gave me this car that I sold, and I didn't realize it was going to happen. And all these different things happened. And I never even thought about that that was what God wanted me to do. Hey, everything that happens that you don't know is going to happen, sow it into that. And then when you're done, you'll be blessed. I haven't convinced everybody, but I don't care. The ones that I've convinced are, are going to be excited about this and we're going to, just going to continue. But I'll promise you this, guys, as long as we're here, we're always going to be doing something because the facilities of God are always going to need to be obtained, uh, 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 maintained, upgraded, and we're going to need new buildings as we grow. We keep growing, we're going to need new buildings. Someday, it's going to be a whole lot different than, than uh, just remodeling uh, the building C. It's going to be we need to go buy 35 acres and build a church. There's always going to be something I want it to be that way. I don't want to be a part of that church that's just sitting around, waiting to die, sitting on my wallet. I'm excited about what God's going to do. But wherever he leads us, we're going to do it with excellence. I've got to share this with you, and I'm going to let you go in just a moment. But last weekend in our four services on Easter, we had 888 people 
in our church. Now, I'm not saying that to brag because there was a lot of churches that were a lot bigger. And there were some that were a lot smaller. That's not the part I'm bragging about. Although it is 105 more than this time last year. And that's exciting because we're growing. But here's the number that I want to brag on God about. 97 people in the four weekend services between children and adults were saved here last weekend. Our family's growing and you know why? Because God knows we'll be faithful to love them and that we'll respect them. Everybody that he sends our way. He knows that we're going to teach them and we're going to train them and we're going to do our best to disciple them. He knows we're going to continue to do our very best and, and offer our very best with our facilities and with our ministries and with our services. and Everything that we do, he knows that we're going to be respectable of people enough to love them, enough to be honest. He knows we're going to be brutally honest from this pulpit and that people are going to get better or they're going to leave. But, but we're going to get better. He knows that he can trust us for that. He knows that he can trust us to be channels of his purpose and not channels of our own. Excellence, that's why it's important. We can't do anything without excellence. We can't offer something to God that isn't excellent. Now let me point you back to the scripture as we conclude. 1 Peter 2 and 9, in light of everything you've heard. However, you are a chosen people. You're not like everybody else. We want to make everybody like that, but they're not all that way. You who know Jesus are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. Not everybody can say that. You're a holy nation. Man, you can't say that about our nation as a whole. You are people who belong to God. You were chosen to tell about the excellent qualities of God he's the one that called you out of darkness into his marvelous light it wasn't some little weak light either chosen to tell of his excellent qualities and so we're going to do that with every bit of excellence that we can muster I read a story about uh, two groups of people who were involved in a conflict the conflict was between the owners of a company and the union, the workers who work for the company. And the, the owners of the company were upset because they said that the union workers were abusing the sick day policy. What that means is they said, they, they accused the workers, they said these workers aren't sick and they're skipping work. And so in one of the meetings, one of the bosses got up with a newspaper to prove his point. He held up a newspaper, the sports page, and on the sports page was a picture of one of the people that worked for them who had just won a golf tournament and called in sick that day to do it. He points at him and says, this guy got an excellent score while he was supposed to be sick here at work. The quick negotiator on the, other, on the other side responded very quickly. He said, just think about what a score he could have got if he wasn't sick that day. I don't want to ever be accused of being the slacker, the half-stepper, the one who rather play than work, the one who just skates by. Because someday the, the word says we're going to get a chance to stand before the Lord. 
believers are going to stand before the Lord, and we're going to go to heaven, but, we're, but our works are going to be judged. And, and, and everything is going to be tested by fire. And all the mess is just going to burn up. Wood, hay, and stubble going to burn up. But everything that we did that was worthy and valuable, that's worth a crown of throwing at the, at the feet of Jesus, is going to be recognized. And then we're going to get crowns for that. Not for us to wear, but so we'll have something to throw at Jesus' feet. Right? Now, you say, I just want to get to heaven. I hear people say that. If I can just get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, I'll be happy to get there. No, you won't. You'll be real embarrassed. Because a whole lot of people are going to be standing around with you, armloads of crowns. They say, here comes Jesus. And you'll be standing around naked with all your works burned up and nothing to offer because you just got here by the skin of your teeth. And everybody else is going to be running and throwing their crowns at Jesus' feet because they were excellent. Which one do you want to be? Pastor, that sounds manipulative. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm telling you what the word said. So what are we going to do? Let's choose to be excellent in every way so that God can trust us and send people here that, that need his love and need his message. So we're talking about being a, making a difference. We're going to be difference makers by being relevant and by being excellent.